Welcome to Black Family Table Talk. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. Listen in weekly as we discover ways to build a strong Black family. What are we going to discuss today, Tony? Today's episode, we're going to talk about debunking the myth of absent Black fathers. My special guests today are two of my favorite fraternity brothers of the noble clan of Kappa Psi, Yo-Yo. We have Tyrone Johnson and Todd Bowden. Yo-Yo. So let's jump right into it. I want you guys to tell a story about how becoming a father changed your life. All right. Well, I'll let I'll let I'll give some New Jersey deference. I'll let Todd go because he's from Jersey. (laughs) Uh, That's that's cool. That's cool. What made me realize that it wasn't just about me. You know, uh, I had to start thinking about what was best for somebody else. Obviously, my family, my kids. I mean. It just put everything in perspective. Suddenly, it was it was all about. I mean, up until that point in time, it had been about. Yeah, you know, I guess I was an unselfish person to a large extent, but it was really more about me, my decision making. Suddenly, I realized it had to be about more than me, and that shaped really the trajectory of me on my life. I mean, just in terms of how I attacked any problem, whatever sort of solution I was seeking, it all came back. The paradigm shifted in terms of how I approached things once I became a father, because I had to think about more than just me. So I'll piggyback from that. I think that for me, actually, just as a young kid, you know, I lost my mother at um, the age of 14. And um, so it was really myself, my father, and my brother. So becoming a father, and I think like Todd, in a sense, I was selfish. I had to, had to learn to take care of myself, me, fend for myself, learn some things on my own, and... Having a father, that responsibility of being a father said to me, it ain't about you anymore. It's you, you've got these young people in your life, these, 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 these human beings that you now owe, you have a responsibility to them. You've got to, you've got to be able to guide these kids. And, and it actually took me back. I remember having a conversation with my father when I was a young man. He had said to me, I don't know, I think it was taking out the trash or something. Take out the trash. I didn't take it out. I'm like, I ain't taking it out. So he was like, he, he said to me, uh, why didn't you take it out? And I said, because I didn't feel like it. You know, I, I just didn't feel like it, right? So it was like, so you didn't feel like it, huh? So it was one of those deals where he says to me, I don't feel like going to work every day. But I do. And I don't feel like taking all the trash that I have to take every day. But I do because you got to have somewhere to sleep. you got to have a roof over your head. And it took me back, in a sense, when, when I had kids, it took me back. There's some days I just don't feel like dealing with some of these yeah. clients. I don't feel like, you know, dealing with this Marcus. I don't feel like whatever it is, just dealing with people. But I realized that it ain't about me. I've got an obligation to educate these kids, to keep a roof over their heads, to keep food on the table. So being a father taught me, really, it made me grow up. It made me grow up. It made me be responsible. So I say being a father is one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. Oh, yeah. I have two great kids. Oh, yeah. Well, right. you, know, you know what? If I could just, just uh, redirect or just come to jump on that a little bit, because uh, Ty brought up something that I think is very, very important, particularly as black men, health. I mean, if, you, if you're thinking about somebody other than yourself, you're thinking mm-hmm. about keeping yourself healthy and in good health because you have to be around to take care of that person. So it's not just about the money or actually buying certain things, putting up assets. It's also about taking care of yourself. 
Because if you're really serious about being there for somebody, you have to be healthy. I mean, it's just like they say when you're, when you're on an airplane, when they're going through all the uh, safety issues, they tell you to put the mask on first because you're not going to be in position to help anybody else if you're not good. That's the other thing. I mean, health. I mean, as black men, we need, really need to think about that because we all know that's a whole nother conversation, brothers. But it's wealth too. I mean, I happen to be in a business where wealth and finances and preparing insurance and 401ks and those kind of things because if you can't help yourself, you certainly can't help your kids. Yeah. It's, it's wealth too. It's able to be able to yes. take care of your families, to take care of and, and teaching our children to wear with all that, you know, when I'm not here, that they can take care of themselves as well. That to me is an obligation as a father. We're right. And there's a whole lot more that we could be doing as men to get our wealth game up. But don't you think most men kind of get that, even if they're not doing everything they need to do, they get the wealth part. I wonder if there's, I wonder if, if there's many of us get the health part. Well, I say, I say yes and no. I think we do sometimes, obviously, as educated men. But then I think about some of the things that we do. You know, I, I just remember as a, as a young father, you know, I could have jumped out and did, you know, just some things that I wanted to do. I thought about the, the bigger car, the bigger house, right? But I said, you know what? I got to say, these kids are going to college. And, some, and sometimes we're not thinking about that. So from the wealth standpoint, not always. I think we do some things, we make some decisions, and that's where the selfish part comes in, that mm -hmm. you're really thinking about yourself and not necessarily training your kids mm -hmm. um, about wealth. So health, wealth, I think they, they both go hand in hand. Oh, they, they do, they do. I just, yeah, and, and they're both, you know, we can do a better job in both categories, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me ask you guys to think about your proudest moment wow. as a father. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I got so many. But. I, I, got, I got a lot. Um, well, I'll tell you something that happened to me recently that I don't know if I call it my proudest moment, but it, it did make me feel pretty good. You know, uh, I read quite a bit and I try to impart wisdom to my kids and you always wonder whether or not they're listening, you know, and in terms of music, I'm really into the classics. I mean, I listen to Coltrane and I'm really into the derivation of, of why, I mean, how certain sounds came about. What, what they're rooted in. And the same thing with different philosophies. What are they rooted in? You say, I say these things to my kids all the time. And I just, I, don't, I never realized whether or not they're listening or not. And the other day I overheard my sons breaking down to one of their friends, <laughs> what, I, what I schooled them on when it comes to music, when it comes to politics. I'm like, uh -huh. wow, they, they, they listen. Wow. Mm -hmm. you know, it, was, it really made me feel good because Many times as fathers and as parents, men and women, we, it gets exhausting just trying mm -hmm. to actually, you know, uh, get your kids on track and talk to them and try to guide them. And sometimes you wonder if they're listening. What I would tell parents is just keep talking because even when it doesn't seem like they're listening, they are. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I'll piggyback on that. When my kids were little, anytime we went on vacation, I made it a point of our business to find something black historical. Mm -hmm. so I take them out to a museum, we do something. We, and that was just a part of the agenda. We were gonna be there for four or five days. They knew that they were gonna go to some plantation, they were gonna go to some black museum. We were gonna do something. They knew. Right. And they would fuss and all right, yeah, we don't wanna do that. You know, we yeah. well, you doing it, right? <laughs> it ain't you just didn't get here because your daddy is this fly smooth new. It just didn't happen like that. Well, that was part of it. Yeah, that was part of it. So <laughs> Just over the holidays, both of my girls said to me, you know, Dad, we appreciate the fact that you took us on some of those um, those trips. And we appreciate it now. It makes a lot of sense. Right. And, and so it tells you that, one, they're listening. 
Yes. And the other thing I think about is my oldest daughter. I have two daughters. My oldest daughter, Sydney, she's just, she's like my wife. She gets it, boom, she runs with it. She got it. You show it one time, she got it. Now, my youngest daughter and myself, the both uh-huh. of us, smart, but we got to see it. We got to yeah. see it one yeah. time. We got to study it. We got to look at it. We got to read it. And then we, right. and then we get it. Now, when we get right. it, we get it. Right. And I, I think about my youngest daughter. I was really worried about her, you know, going to college, you know, it's going to be rough for her, you know, is she ready, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, because I'm seeing this kid at home, right? And I remember having a conversation with one of her teachers. I said, you know, is my daughter going to be ready for college? Is she going to, you know, you think she's going to do it? And the teacher said, are you, we're talking about the same kid, Courtney? And I said, yeah. She says, Mr. Johnson, your kid is not only going to do well in college, but she's going to excel in college. Mm. And she's my best. Wow. And so what Courtney would say to me all the time was, Dad, I'm not the same way in school. Um, you know, so she said this to me before I had the conversation, <laughs> right? But then it, it sometimes it takes somebody. And that, to me, that was just a proud moment. This teacher seeing something that I didn't necessarily see. Right. And she was like, and this kid's been on the dean's mm. list every single semester she's been there. Mm. And has not lost who she is. Again, for me, that was just a proud moment that my wife and I have done something right. Yeah, yeah. When, you run, when you run across those uh, those situations or or experiences that validate what you were feeling anyway, that's a proud moment. Yeah, yeah. it's no question about it. And I think that sometimes we, feel, our, our kids, when you, as a parent, like, what are your kids doing when you're not around? Mm. Um, you know, what are they doing when when they don't see you? Are they still making good decisions? And where they learn those decisions from? And to me, again, when, when I come across people and I meet them, and when they tell me, oh, man, your kids are excellent. you got a great daughter. Sydney's great. Courtney, they're just, they're just the best kids. Mm-hmm. It, it tells me that we got something right here. We did something right. Yeah. And it takes me back to, I can remember saying to my mom, when I was a young boy, I said to her, you know, mom, when I grow up, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to make a lot of money, and I'm going to buy you this, this and I'm going to do this. And she said to me, just simple, she said, all I need from you is to be decent. Mm. That's it. You grow up and be decent. Mm-hmm. And for my girls, that's all I wanted for them was, obviously, I wanted them to have a great life, but be decent. And when I see them, you know, our people come back and say to me, this, this, and my, my girls are decent. Mm. You know, so it carries back to the conversation with my, with my mom. I, I'm raising decent, uh, enlightened people. So I'm proud of that. My kids are a reflection of us, the outer of us. And I love that. Let me ask you guys, did you have any aha moments that made you rethink your approach to being a father? Yeah, I definitely had some of those. Yeah, yeah. And and, and again, it, it goes back. I used to say to myself, I would never say the things that my father would say sometimes, right? Then I find myself being like, aha, I got it. Yeah, I, now I know what he meant when he said what he said and why he did what he did. Yeah. I don't want to come home in the afternoon and my trash can is in front of my house. It just looks trashy to me, tacky. And they were like, well, damn. Right. We don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. We don't feel like it. It was raining. I'm like, you don't feel like it. And it was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I would say, I would say my aha moment, or one that comes to mind at least, was when I realized that what might have worked for me as a kid mm-hmm. growing up, would not necessarily work for my kid. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, the bottom line is, 
our kids are growing up during the, the days of the information superhighway of the internet. And yeah. the access to information that they have just obliterates whatever information we had at our disposal. That's true. And the one thing about information is the more you know, the more you'll question, which is why Master didn't want us to read. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> if you know what he can control is if we actually got our mind going and we start to question. But when I realized that I was raising kids during this age, I realized that the lecture method that was used on me mm. wouldn't work for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I realize mm. that to become a parent today, particularly if you want to have a good relationship with your kid, it's not about lecturing to your kids, it's about reaching your kids. And that takes a little bit more effort and a little bit more creativity. But I think when I realized I was never going to have the connection or have the positive impact on my kids that I needed to have unless I focused on reaching them as opposed mm -hmm. to lecturing to them. And that was really a function of what's going on in the world today and me realizing how the route I had to take. But again, it worked for me. Like, for instance, I mean, I don't know if with today's kids, I mean, I know we, I know we could joke about it. As far, as far as physical, you know, sort of uh, uh, reinforcement, if you know what I mean, I don't know if that's as effective today. So, mm. you know, it's, it's our nature to always go back to what we knew. But the question is not so much how was it done before. The question is, how can I get it right? How do you do better? And, yeah. and a lot of it is, someone told me years and years ago, gentleman that said to me, at some point, um, you got to stop blaming your parents, mm -hmm. stop blaming other folks. I grew up in Long Island, but my dad grew up in South Georgia. Mm -hmm. And man, I grew up in a period where black men that had come north had the weight of the world on their shoulders because they were trying to make it in up north, still send money back home and all that kind of stuff. So I tell you, my father, and I understand to tell you this, but on the weekend, this dude was a functional alcoholic. And so so what it made me do is say, you know, I could easily say, you know, I'm a drink too. Hell, I'm a drink and I'm going to hang out and I'm going to do all this stuff. I don't really drink like that to this day because I didn't like what it did to him. Right. And I always said to myself, my kids will never ever see me drunk you know he's a hard-working man he did this he you know he kept the roof over head he kept me food in my stomach clothes on my back but there were some of those flaws that i didn't like and i didn't want my daughters to see right now am i perfect hell no i mean i, I made a lot of mistakes i made a lot of mistakes well yeah what do you wish you knew when you started out as a father as a father well i would say a lot of it comes back to what what Ty was talking about. I, I didn't have the respect for wealth building when I was in my 20s. I became a father in my 20s. So, you know, I was still a kid, you know, uh, or a very young adult, married at 25. So I guess I didn't actually have the appreciation for wealth building. And the thing about it is, even if you don't have it in, within your mind to, you know, necessarily buy any stocks and bonds, you can still put away a little money. You can still save money. And mm -hmm. when you decide to really go to the next level, there is some sort of capital basis there. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing I would tell any young parent. I know that you right, maybe right now you don't have the mindset to do all the things that your financial advisor would uh, advise you on right now, but still put some money away. You're all, it's, I don't care what it is. You're always better saving something than not saving anything at all. That's the one thing I wish, I wish somebody had talked, maybe somebody did talk to me about it and listen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, as just as a young person, I would probably, probably would have studied harder. <laughs> I just, yeah. you know, I would have done more, but I was trying to juggle a couple things. And there were some things I certainly could have cut out. I could have not gone to some parties. I could have been home. I could have done. So it was, it was probably that. 
And so I pressed upon my girls to do it, mm -hmm. you know, because I saw that if I had maybe done this, maybe I would have gone here. And who knows? I mean, I don't know if my life would have turned out any different. What I set out to do, I'm doing. But would it have been different? Maybe. I was talking to young teenage Tyrone Johnson. That's probably what I would I'd be saying. Mm -hmm. And it's a th it's a thing you can't see, mm -hmm. but if it's not one catastrophe, it could be another. Mm -hmm. And by you putting away something, maybe you can't totally absorb the storm, but at least you can mitigate it. Yeah. Something's coming, and you got to prepare yourself for it as best you can. Uh, I want to ask you guys, as we wrap this thing up, why do you think people still feel that there's absent Black fathers? When I don't see a lot of it, but there's still a myth out there that we don't take care of our children. We don't control our own narrative. You know, I, I was just having this conversation just recently. When you don't control who you are and what you are, and again, I, maybe I'm getting it a little twisted too because, you know, I know Todd Bowen, Todd Bowen. You know, I know you, Tony Henson, and all the, most of the men that I know, most of the men that I, they're fathers and they take care of their business. Right, it's, right. It's, in fact, the, the men that I know that aren't taking care of business is so rare to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's there, those are not the circles that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And again, when you don't tell your narrative, when your story is not being told, somebody else is telling it for you, is, is why I think there's this misnomer that we're not, black men are not in their, in their kids' lives. So that's my takeaway. I would, I would strongly agree. Now, now granted, with the, there's systemic racism that, you know, plagues our community. And, you know, the fact that there's so many black men uh, locked down, many uh, indiscriminately, many unjustifiably, but the fact that there are that many men behind bars, that takes away from who can be at home. So a lot of this comes back to uh, systemic racism, which is not just about us, it's about the system that somebody else created. Uh, but I will say that we don't get enough, give enough attention to the fathers who are handling their business. And like Noob said, that comes down to us not controlling our narrative. But I will say that we have to do a better job of controlling our narrative and we gotta do a better job of taking care of us. Because when we don't take care of, of each other, that means we gotta turn to somebody else. And when we gotta turn to somebody else, they're gonna want something in return that might not necessarily represent our best interest, so. It's mediums like this. You know, we gotta have more of them. I think about, you know, um, my oldest one was going off to college. It's been a long time since I'd been on the college campus, but when she was going off, and I can recall seeing the young students at Howard, and but yet you you know you hear all this stuff in your head. Oh man, I, we, oh these millennials, they they gonna be the death of us. But I get on campus and I'm starting to talk to have some conversation with these young African Americans, and I'm blown away. It's like you know what? I leave and come back. Clark, same thing. We gonna be all right. You've been going to these Black Lives Matter protests to see these young people. It's amazing. That's the narrative that's not being told. Not being told. Our kids are changing the world. <laughs> so it's mediums like this, I think. And at some point, we have to begin to tell our story. It, it is the narrative, and which is why I got to big you up, Tony, you and, you and the wife, because yeah. it starts with programming like this, like, like Ty said. But I also will say that in order to make programs like this, in order to help them succeed, we got to support. It's, it's about telling our narrative, but it's also so about supporting people financially who are trying to tell our narrative. Absolutely. That's right. Tony, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, I mean, we, we yes. do, I could be sitting here with you all day. But we I really appreciate it. We got to do this with some cigars, noops. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't do the cigars, but I hang out with you guys, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I love you both. I appreciate it. This is a special edition. 
a Black Family yeah. Table Talk for our Father's Day. Share it. Get folks to listen to it. That's what we're trying to be about is supporting Black families and, and making us stronger for the future. Because mm -hmm. if we don't do it, I don't know who's going to do it. You got to get back to taking care of us. That's, That's right. right. I appreciate yeah. you both. Find new well, pie. Well, since it's us, yo. Yo. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> good brothers. Hi, new. Yo. Yo. That was good. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you heard some principles to put into your strong black family toolbox. Be sure to tune in next week. And remember, sharing is caring. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and visit our website at blackfamilytabletalk.com. Look for special discounts and ways to be part of the Black Family Table Talk community. As a part of our mission to do our part to strengthen black families, we endorse small black owned businesses. This is our way of strengthening black families economically. This week's small black business spotlight is on Shea Shea LaFemme Shea Butter. It's the best shea butter I've ever tried. And it comes in a variety of fragrances. Just visit our website at blackfamilytabletalk.com and you'll see a special link for a 20% discount. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by a copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform hosts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.